Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the world's favourite sanitation podcast. My name's Pete. In seasons one and two, Get Flushed looked mainly at the portable restroom industry. I'd describe that as everything that goes into providing temporary toilet facilities on work sites or at events. In this series, I want to take a broader look at the sanitation industry and sanitation solutions in general. And I'll start this week with an episode about permanent standalone toilet installations, the ones that you typically find on the high street, in parking lots, or in public parks, domains, and reserves. Regular listeners to the show will know that over the past nine months, I've been travelling around New Zealand with my family in a caravan. We've driven over 10,000 kilometres and covered most of the South Island, as well as a large chunk of the North Island. Although our caravan is fully self-contained with a proper bathroom and a flushing toilet, we've used lots of different public toilets along the way. One of the most common types of restroom installations we've seen and used has been the Exiloo. These are a very modern looking unit with automatic sliding doors, stainless steel hand basins and automatic dispensers for toilet paper and soap. Some have had regular flushing toilets, others, usually the ones in more remote locations, have sat on top of a long drop or a vault. But regardless of the type, every one of the Exilus that we've seen and used has been immaculately clean. When we travelled through Hokitika on the South Island, two Exilu units still wrapped in plastic film had just been delivered to a new site and were waiting to be installed. That was the first time that I realised that Exilu units are actually made here in New Zealand. A couple of weeks after that, Exilu appeared on our evening TV news and it turned out that the company had won an award for the best public conveniences in Colorado in the United States. When we reached Auckland in July, I arranged to meet the team at Exilu at their factory in Henderson. Now before I play the interviews, I'll say that this episode was recorded in the boardroom of a busy working factory. I've done my best to limit the noise, but you may hear a little bit of grinding, welding and hammering in the background. I'm here today at Exilu in Henderson in Auckland and I'm with Craig Van Esch. And Craig, perhaps easiest if you introduce yourself. Thanks very much, Pete. My name is Craig Van Esch. I'm the Managing Director of Exilu, based here in Auckland. My business partner, Andy Harris, and I purchased the business last year uh, right through the centre of COVID lockdown, which was a fun moment for us both. And I've been with the company about six years. And for the majority of our listeners who won't have heard of Exilu or used an Exilu, can you tell us what is an Exilu? An Exilu is a prefabricated public toilet. So uh, it's a permanent structure which is relocatable and it's used in parks, transit areas, street side settings, you know, anywhere a public toilet might be found. We operate in New Zealand, Australia and the US. We have our own offices in Australia and the US, and um, and our factory based here, and our second factory uh, about 10 minutes from this building. So I, I'm in a fortunate position that having travelled the South Island over the last year, I've used quite a few of your toilets, and I have to say that I was impressed every time. They were always immaculately clean and a pleasure to use. There was no smell, they were just, uh, uh, people moan and complain about public toilets, but honestly, and on heart, I would be quite happy having an Exilu plumbed in at home. That was fantastic experience as a user. Is that typical of the feedback that you get? Well, I mean, we get varied feedback, as you can imagine. We've got toilets out there that have been out there over 25 years, which are probably at their end of use by date. 
Um, but it's great to hear that you say that, and I think that's a testament, A, to the, the product that we're building, and, and secondly, to the diligence of the council operators that look after those toilets. So, you know, I think it's a combination to get that kind of result. Public toilets attract very special behaviours, and um, we try to build our product to, uh, to combat most of that and, and make sure that they are easy for our customers to clean and maintain. We've just had a walk around the factory floor and you've shown me the production line from raw steel coming into the yard through to the finished product that was palletised and ready to go out. We have six types of toilet that we build at Exalu. Uh, we have two concrete structured units. One is a shell, one is a tilt slab model. And then we have four steel framed with fibre cement or stainless steel skinned units. So there's, there's typically six products in our range. Our Jupiter unit is our most popular product, which is a steel frame with a concrete base and a fibre cement sheet exterior with tiled interiors. Those toilets, depending on the size, can range from between 8 to 13 tonnes is probably one of the heaviest units we've ever had to build. The overwhelming impression I've left the factory floor with is that they're really robust. They're really well built and well designed and quite a substantial unit. Well, I, I guess um, what you're seeing there is 30 years worth of experience. The business was started by Dan and Chris Glue back in 1991, and the first unit was produced in 1992. So theoretically, we're in our 30th, nearly 30th year. So I'm kind of putting that off because there's a bit of work to do around that. Um, but we'll probably uh, um, uh, celebrate our 30th year next year to celebrate our first uh, ex-factory unit which went to Craig Avon Park in Auckland. And is it still in use? Unfortunately, that one is not, no. Did you rescue it for the museum? <laughs> no, no, I think the council decided what was going to happen to that afterwards. Um, but yeah, a robust structure, 100%, I think. It's a real testament to the design that Dan put together for the business. We've taken over a really strong business, and the product it produces is considered a pinnacle of the design and you know, pretty much the markets we operate in. And I know that that's been recognised internationally because earlier in the year you won a an award in the US. That's right, we won two awards last late last year in the US. They were both related to our project in Colorado Springs, which is uh, Bancroft Park. We were voted the best public restroom in America, which is a huge honour for us. There was some pretty stiff competition, as you can imagine. Yeah. We made it to the top 10. The Bancroft Park Community Council put the project in, and the toilet was the centrepiece of that project. And then shortly after that, we won the Columbine Award for Innovation, which is the Colorado State Parks and Recreation Services Award for Innovation. So that was a real testament to the sort of things that we're doing, and I, I'm pretty excited about what happened after that. I think you should be. That's yeah. a huge achievement. Well, 30 years in the game, as I said, we're a specialist in this area, and to get that kind of recognition was just a, a huge boost for the guys here and the crew here. And you might get a chance to chat to one of those guys later on, but you know, I know that the feeling through the business was just phenomenal. As you mentioned the business, can you give us a feel for the, the size of the operation? How many staff have you employed and facilities, etc.? Yeah, we currently have 42 full-time staff plus a number of contractors that come and help us out, plumbers, electricians and tilers as we need them. We are currently spread across two factory sites here in Paramount Drive in Henderson and another site over in Kawakawa Place, which we, um, we're just operating and setting up again at the moment. We have two sales offices, one in Australia and Sydney, and one in California in San Luis Obispo, and we have our own staff on ground there. Plus we have a very loyal and long-term distributor, WC Innovations, based in Melbourne, who has been with us pretty much since the beginning, and we consider them very much part of our ecosystem and kind of like our brothers and sisters over there. So 
they've done a phenomenal job with our, our product and, and a big shout out to Paul and Stuart and Kim and the team over at WC. I'm looking around your boardroom, you've got maps of the US, New Zealand and Australia and there's some fairly big clusters on there, Craig. Yes, you'll notice Melbourne is a big one. So Very big. Thank uh, the guys at WC for that. Sydney's also coming along, New Zealand if you uh, scaled it down and made it about the size of Sydney you'd probably get a similar sort of cluster. Yeah. And of course the green sprout over there in, in the US which is something that we're very excited about. Are there other manufacturers who make permanently installed public conveniences in the US and you're nodding and if there are what makes those companies that have bought your product buy your product all the way from New Zealand? Well, our customer base is local government, so it's councils and cities, and our target focus has really been in the parks and recreation space, particularly in the US. We do do transit in New Zealand and Australia, as we're more familiar and it's a more mature market for us. But what makes us different? I guess um, we're kind of known as the automation guys, so you know, sensor-based technology, which has been a real boon through the COVID period. And I think when we see our competitors in the, in the US, they're not really embracing that technology as much as they could. And I think the other thing is they're very focused on the, on the large markets, the national parks markets and national based, whereas we're more focused in the Californian region. So can we talk about that sensor technology from the toilet user's perspective? What is the typical experience of the automation? Well, as you walk through the door, the door is an automated door like you would work into a supermarket or any other. It has a, a, an electric locking system and there's quite a bit of Intense knowledge, I would say, are going around how people ingress and egress from a building with a, an automated door. The programming and the software and firmware required to run that requires a huge amount of thought. We obviously want to ensure that if the unit fails in any way, it fails safe so that the person can always just slide the door open. All of our auto door toilets come with an electric emergency button which depowers the, the door and you're able to slide it back with your hand. Other things you'll notice in the US units particularly and in our platinum, our high level units in New Zealand and Australia is touchless wash basins, touchless paper dispensers, dosed to ensure that people aren't taking away all of the soap and the toilet paper. Our Freedom Camp and friends would really enjoy those. Don't look at me, I buy my own. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, a, it is a reality. I was a backpacker myself, so I know what happens. You know, and I think those are all things that help the council uh, better manage their costing systems. The other thing that sets us apart, I guess, a little bit is the recessed nature of our componentry. So everything sits behind the wall, so those with mischievous minds can't get their sticky fingers in behind there and, and deal with that. You're in the industry, you know it's relentless. If there's something to twiddle or turn off or fiddle with, people can't help but do that, can they? I don't think any building can be made to withstand a determined attack with a crowbar. One of my favourite stories is a toilet in Wollongong. It was one of the old concrete satin units that you saw outside. Apparently, three ingenious wannabe criminals decided they would get three nine-kilo bottles of LPG, take them together, find some drinking straws, fill the drinking straws full of fireworks, gunpowder, and then light a fuse. Even the guys at Wollongong acknowledged that it was a pretty creative way to destroy a public toilet. Good news was, it didn't kill them. It did take the roof off, and I think from memory we got a toilet out of it, so I guess in some respects <laughs> we see it all. And I'm sure the council guys out there that may be listening to this will, will be nodding in sympathy. I think you're right. The units I've seen have been freshwater flushing and wash hand basin. Do you do any alternatives to that? We operate a full range, or one-stop shop if you like, from the manufacturing, construction of different types of toilets right through to the installation. It's a turnkey operation as needs be in each market. 
Typically, uh, and we'll talk about installation separately, but typically installation is done in conjunction with a council contractor and we sit beside them and help them. But if there is any need for someone to come and do the installation for them, then Exalu offers that service as well. We also have a full design service, which is free of charge to our customers, and that helps them quite often with their community engagement piece and also even just their internal decisions around the design of the toilet. We talk about design. We have our at the very top of our range our Ferrari, if you like, our um, Bugatti Veyron, which is the platinum-level toilet specification, which is full touchless environment and self-washing, auto-wash features. It also has a remote monitoring capability if you want that as an option, which allows you to monitor the uh, usage rates of the unit, which is very important to council facilities team. They want to know just how many people are in the park and they can use this data to determine the usage of the park and what evolution that park might need to take. Did you develop all of that technology in house, Craig? That is ours. We've been rolling that system for 15, 20 years, and it's highly evolved in the sense that the customers that like that type of information are able to make real good decisions around service and operational management of the toilet. For example, it'll give you peak data, peak time usage, so you will need to clean the toilet before that time and, of course, come back after, and that schedules. And if it's low usage, then you can save yourself a toilet visit. The toilets also lock and unlock themselves, which means you don't have to send people out with a set of keys like the old days you used to go and close the toilets up, and that's very costly. So if you want to make that not available during nighttime hours, for example? So hours of operation is a programmable feature. That's kind of right at the top end, remote monitoring, auto-wash, those touchless features, everything recessed, stainless steel, very, very high grade, all 316 grade. Tiled interiors, fur tiles. A lot of people have mixed views about those. We use an epoxy grouting system. It's pretty hard to apply and a lot of tilers don't like using it, but in here in the factory it's nice. And the other thing is if someone does take to take a crowbar to a wall, you only have to replace a tile, you don't have to replace an entire wall, so it's pretty good. I've had lots of discussions with people over fibreglass units and the fibreglasses who are listening in will say fibreglass doesn't absorb smell. As a, an experienced portable restroom operator, I can tell you that it does. Mm. One of the other guests refers to it as funk, you can't get rid of the funk. Genuinely, I've used a lot of your toilets. I've not experienced that at all. Part of the issue with smell is uric acid, right? So that seeps into the porous elements of a toilet. And none of our elements of our interior are porous. None of it. Absolutely none. The old concrete-style toilets or the TerraFlake floor type stuff, um, once that's shuffled off and you've had a few hundred people through it, it creates weaknesses and it allows that uric acid and cleaning detergent and all that stuff to seep into the concrete, which is, which is porous. That's where the smell's retained. Just back to the design thing, though, we then come down the list to uh, our gold-level units, which have less automation but sliding doors, which is really important. And then we come down to our silver and bronze or our standard formulated units, which are swing door operation and much more what you might expect in a traditional. We don't do the pavilion styles. We prefer the safety and security and the privacy of having your own cubicle that opens to the street. In the old days, they used to put the toilets out the back, behind a tree, somewhere you couldn't see them. We say exactly the opposite. Put them out, show them up in lights. It prevents a lot of that negative social behaviour that we see. And also, um, it provides an opportunity for the community to have an asset and use it. And we do wayfinding on the toilets. You know, they have come and see these areas or go and see these points of interest around the area. We can make the toilets extremely attractive 
to look at and blend in or stand out really depends on what you want to do with them. And then below that we also have units that are available for sites that are not serviced. So typically Exalute toilets are designed for serviced sites, that is power, water, wastewater. We also make a range of toilets and we have had to do that. We've been kind of taken there by some of our customers, particularly in Australia and the US and some in New Zealand that require a, a non-powered, unserviced site. For remote locations? where So no... unlike the, the, the fibreglass units you may have been seen in the trailhead toilets and along trails, obviously that would be cost prohibitive for an exolu to go into the middle of the bush track. There are some sites, you know, particularly tourism sites that have natural beauty that people want to go and see, but there is no way to get a, a pipe to them. And that cost of that underground service work is very, very expensive. So in that case, then you'd have a vault or a, a tank for the waste. Yeah. yeah. So this septic system requires water, but no sewer system. And that means you use you can flush the toilet just like you would a normal one, and it would have to be pumped out. And a dry vault system requires no water, and it uses uh, hot air convection to dry the moisture off the waste matter. And that would be you know, far less pump out requirements for the council. Do you make the toilets gender specific? No, we are a unisex product, but you can put any sign you like on the door. And so every toilet has got a wall-mounted or a floor-mounted WC rather than a stand-up urinal. We do do urinals. We can do them in trough form, which is less popular now. We usually do them in the, 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 the single urinal. And all of our toilets and all of our equipment sits above the ground. We have no floor pedestal units other than the dry vault systems. Again, you mentioned the smell. If you're able to get your mop and your cleaners all around underneath the toilet, it's a lot easier to clean. For listeners, can you give them an indication of the cost of one of these units? Uh, well, yeah, it's an interesting one, that, because we get asked that all the time. How much is it going to cost me? Well, a billion dollars, right? No, the, the reality is that we often tailor to budget, and we can do that because we have such a range of features and levels that we're able to operate with. So quite often a council will be allocated a budget to do a project, and inside that budget might be a playground, some fields, some pathways, fencing, a public toilet, whatever. They will generally get some quotes, they'll allocate some money to that, and then um, if we're coming in late in the stage, then you know we're able to tailor our offer to that budget as, as much as possible. But um, you know they can range between 50,000 to 350,000. You know it really depends on what you're building and how you're going. And that sounds expensive if you think you can buy a plastic portable toilet for $1,000, but we're talking oranges and apples here. Oh, 100%. There's a couple of good studies done, one by the Port of Adelaide and another one by Glen Ira Council in Australia, and we talk about these a little bit. These were independent studies done by our customers where they measured the costs associated per occupancy of a traditional toilet that we'll say is just a block toilet with a toilet and a hand basin and some paper towels versus what they call an APT or automated public toilet and they did a, an 18 month study and they found that the average cost per occupancy of a standard traditional toilet is $1.39 in Australian terms. I think that study is about six years old and an average cost of a per occupancy for an APT is about 38 cents and the reason for that is the use of the consumables and the lower amount of cleaning required and the security and lock-up systems. Big difference. It's a significant saving, and that's why they buy them. And then the lifespan, I asked you outside, how long will these units last? So we build them to last 25 years. Clearly, we make them from steel and concrete, and that can last for our lifetime. But I typically try and encourage councils to think along the lines of 
you know, at year 15, you should be reviewing, they, they review on a regular basis, you should be reviewing your public toilet network for replacement at year 20 to 25, depending on the usage. Some, some toilets get a real hammering and some have a nice easy life so that you can take that as you as you like but that's a good cadence for a building of this nature it is a very special type of public community it's not a library it's not a fire station and it does have those individuals that like to take their frustrations out on the world and in our toilets <laughs> unfortunately yeah, yeah. I'm picking that most people who go in and use that restroom just don't realise the complexity that exists behind the scenes, not just in the unit, but in the organisation, the company that's designed it, the installation. There's a lot has gone into these toilets. Well, as you know, we, we walked around and I, and I did talk a lot about the intellectual property of the organisation. Yes, we have some you know, patents and we have brand and we have things like that, but a lot of this has been in the inherent history of the guys that work in the factory and how they build the toilets and how they go about what they do. So that's very important and yes the complexity the supply chain to get it plus to get it to the customer is hugely underestimated by some people who may may comment about the cost of the product and and we always say go and build one you know, go and build one and, and and figure out all of that tacit knowledge of 30 years it becomes very obvious when you try and do it yourself you can't afford to package a unit put it on the plane or the boat over to california and for something to be wrong in that toilet when it arrives Absolutely. You know, it goes through a rigorous testing process before it leaves the factory. We also have, because we have our own staff in market, plus our friends at WC, they're able to run through the toilet. I mean, things happen, you know, wires wiggle on a boat, you know. Yeah. And sometimes toilets go into storage while they're waiting for the projects to be ready to go. But there is a commissioning process to make sure that that product is ready to hand over the day the customer walks up and says to cut the ribbon. And uh Ribbon cutting, cutting ceremonies are quite good fun to be part of in a public toilet. There's always plenty of humour. We turned up in Hokitika on the west coast of the South Island and there were two Exilu units just on the side of the reserve, still wrapped in cling film, waiting to be lifted into place and commissioned, I'm guessing. So I missed the unveiling and the, the grand opening. Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, people have a lot of fun with it. You have the old obligatory to toilet roll and the big pair of scissors and... You know, we had a great experience in Geraldine in New Zealand where the mayor was very excited. It used to be a place, he said, where people would just pass through, use the toilet, grab a cup of coffee and keep going. And it's a, a heavily trafficked area in, in tourist season for, for the South Island. They put one of our public toilets on there and had the idea of wrapping the toilet in a photo film with the surrounding forest with points of interest, as I mentioned earlier, wayfaring points of interest. And they found within the space of a month that people were spending an extra night in Geraldine and then, of course, going out for dinner, you know, filling up the camper van, going getting supplies and then going out and visiting points of interest to see the forestry because there's a lot of native forestry around there. And I think those stories are fantastic and it comes back to that point I made before. It's a community asset and it should be treated as such and it should be embraced as such. And you've got a great opportunity to do that, haven't you? Because you've got four sides and they can be vinyl wrapped or printed or... It's a billboard. Yeah, and it's visible, highly visible because they're in prominent locations. Tell your communities, tell your visitors, tell them how good you are, what you're doing, what's happening in the area. We encourage it. We have voice messaging in the system, recordable voices. You can record and put your own messages inside them. So you've got a captured audience. You've got a couple of minutes to tell them. I think it's a, it's a category that is overlooked and I think it's uh, it's been great for us and you know, I, I never thought I'd jump out of bed in the morning and be excited you know t you asked me 10 years ago I was working in construction industry prior to that in the ag industry jumping out of bed and running off to work and I'm going to sell a dunny you know I just didn't have that. It's just addictive and it's very rewarding and it's filled with people like yourself who are passionate and enthusiastic is, yeah. and really do know their stuff.
Yeah, I think if um, if Andy was sitting next to me, he's a he's a qualified plumber, gas fitter, drain layer, and I think he's found his happy place. You know, he says it's really great to see one of these units wrapped up and going off on a truck. It's like one of our little babies going off, and we can't wait to go and see it. You know, I always have that kind of little little hairs in the back of my neck turn up when I when I turn up to a unit out in the middle of nowhere that hasn't seen a an exalude shirted person for ten years, and all of a sudden we turn up. And I so how many units do you think you've got out globally? Uh, we'll have nearly two thousand units. That that's got to be the challenge then. Let's get all two thousand units photographed and up onto yeah, well, Instagram. It'll be a lot of fun, and I know as an example that Colorado Springs unit had all the signage out for best public restroom in America and people were stopping and taking photographs of it. They saw the signage and they stopped and go, well, what's so good about this? And then, of course, we had the TikTok video, which went crazy. And um, and then uh, probably our biggest uh, biggest change has been the fact that Los Angeles Parks have picked up the product as, a, as an option for their public spaces. And, you know, we're not going to fit every space for them, and they're well aware of that, but they like the way it manages the public. They're obviously, they have a large homeless population in California. It's a nice, warm, sunny climate, um, and they're obviously going through a lot of hardships up there right now. And so they see our product as a good way of maintaining the quality of the product and managing the public going into that toilet. So we are looking to see a lot more of our units going into that area, and, of course, that got the attention. Uh, there was a little bit of television coverage of this new crazy toilet from New Zealand, and that got the attention of surrounding councils who had tried and, and, and were looking to buy and were considering. And we, we got a couple of nice orders off the back of that. And I think that was uh, in a year of lockdown and COVID and a year that Andy and I just bought the business. That was a shot in the arm we really needed. So, you know, we, uh, we really appreciate the, the custom from LA Parks to get us on the way. I'm guessing it's a major challenge from a small company in New Zealand, which is a long way from anywhere, to suddenly hit the big time and unlock that US market. I'd probably qualify that statement by saying we haven't quite unlocked it. I think we've got our foot in the door and there's a few people that are taking notice, which is fantastic. And, you know, we don't take any of that for granted either. There's still things that we have to work on. There's things that the guys want us to work on to improve and we are doing that. And I think being responsive to the customer's requirements is key to what Exalu does. So that's direct feedback from your buyers. Correct. We stay close to them. Obviously, when you've got a small footprint, you've got to you know, sort of sit on those toilets like a mother hen to make sure everything's going well. We want them to have a good experience of the product. Getting it from here to there is not a big deal. It has been recently with the shipping and disruptions that we've observed, and I've been part of a um, BNZ supply chain panel talking about this. We've been fortunate enough to find a way through that. It lengthened our delivery timetable for a, for a period, but we, we don't think that'll go for too long. Do they all go by sea? Yes, so they go on a, um, a roll-on, roll-off vessel or a, um, a traditional oh, container sorry. truck. We usually, as I said earlier, we usually work with a local contractor there that's been appointed by the uh, council. And it's because they want some local content in those projects. I've now been joined by Rob, who's the production supervisor at Exilu. So, Rob, welcome to Get Flushed. Hi, mate. How are you? I'm good. And it's been really interesting to walk around the factory floor and see your team all working. And I have to say, it was a really fluent process that everybody seemed to know exactly what they were doing. And I'm going to say that surely you've got to take all the credit for that. <laughs> Not quite. I mean, I work in a team with uh, seven other guys and we've all sort of been really pumping it out, especially over the last couple of years or since COVID here in NZ anyway. The the demand has sort of risen for, for what we do and what we build and because it's such a niche market, we were quite lucky that a lot of the funding, especially locally for the councils um, goes into tourism which we come under that umbrella so it's been it's been really great. 
it was good to walk around the factory and just see the process that goes in. I, I explained to Craig, I've used a lot of the Exilus around the South Island. Yeah. And I've never been in an Exilu that I've not enjoyed using. They've all been spotlessly clean. Yeah. And they've all worked really, really well. And it's just been a pleasure to use them, honestly. Yep. Yep. You would have seen through your travels how remarkably similar and remarkably different they can be because all of our, um, our products are bespoke and made to order. They can be different colours, different sizes, different shapes, play different music, I mean, different specs of uh, hygiene levels, touch-free levels, which is important now in times post-COVID for us. And a lot of people seem to really take to them, oh my God, this toilet talks to me when I walk in. We just spoke about the one in Geraldine that's vinyl-wrapped with scenes of bush and things. Yeah, they can blend right in, which is quite cool. On a day-to-day basis, when you on the production line, do you work with a particular project from start to finish, or are you operating a more structured production line where people have individual tasks? We try and switch it up because what we build, we put out so fast, it can feel like you're doing the same thing over and over. So we like to split people up between what, what they're strong at, what they need to learn, and bounce between the two just to keep everyone upskilled and effective. And then I personally have to bounce between the whole lot making sure it's all all rolling, which is chaotic at times, but it's fun. It keeps it exciting. Perhaps we could talk through the process. So I, I went outside and saw the concrete slab on the floor. The base, yep. So that's going to be stage one or phase one, you call it. Can you talk us through what happens after that? The slab will arrive. We send them into engineering. Engineering will build the frame, the bones of the building from tube steel. Uh, that takes one to two days. They're in start to finish. Then we have a pre-assembly team that come through with uh, compressed concrete sheeting and they do all the walls, the doors, whether they be manual or automatic doors. And then it passes on to the production teams themselves who see it through from there onwards to the finish. And that's the painting, the tiling, the plumbing, the electrical, roofing, full kit out and all the testing, which is done in-house, signed off and wrapped up, sent out the door on a truck or on a container ship if it's going overseas, obviously, and then starts again. Generally speaking, rough guide, start to finish from a project to standard build time? Uh, Your standard build time, probably around 12 days. We've definitely knocked a lot of time off, especially in the last couple of years, just trying to streamline what we build and how we build it. And then in terms of working at Exilu, is your team fairly static or do you have any turnover of staff? No, everyone who comes on tends to stay on is cool because then they bring on their friends or their family somebody somebody that they're willing to stick their neck out or vouch for and and it becomes quite a cool culture did i read on the website you've got a few sets of brothers and maybe a a dad and a son or something yeah you get all sorts of relatives come and start start working with us which is cool because everyone knows each other you know inside and outside of work it strikes me as a really settled place to work. Walking around, you can get a vibe of the premises fairly quickly. Yeah. And I walked in, everyone said hi and has been friendly. You know, you've got the facilities in the main building and then the production line. There's noise. Yeah, it's loud. But it's not a chaotic environment at all. It seemed to be very measured and purposeful. Yeah, everyone has the end goal in mind and they know the direction they need to be moving in, which is cool because it's quite self-sufficient down there on the floor. And you're famous as well now because you've won some awards internationally. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. We got an award from one of the councils in Colorado in the US for Best Lou in America, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's an awesome achievement. Did the team celebrate that on the shop floor? We did. Yeah. So we, we, we had a bit of a get-together for that. 
I can't remember the exact amount of views. There's a TikTok out there. It's gone viral, man. <laughs> which is so bizarre that one of our products from little old NZ would blow up, you know. It's really good. How long have you been at Exilu? I'll be five years this year, October. Had you worked in the fabrication or manufacturing industry before? I was a roofer and they took me on here in a roofing role at first and then I've sort of moved through the ranks. And when you're looking for new team members, is there anything that you look for in terms of skill or is it more about attitude? A little bit of both. I mean, we find people can really come here and thrive with a lot of trade background and get to be creative here and get to trial and error ourselves how we like to do things, the fastest way to do things. And people pick it up quite quickly, which is really cool. And it strikes me as the sort of environment where if somebody has a good idea, you would embrace that. Absolutely. And we're, we're always looking for new ways to innovate. That's key. That's imperative. And working here is people are supported from day dot, you know, whether I've been here eight years or eight days, their ideas are valid. If there was anything that you would change about the Exilu, have you found a, a, an element that you'd like to improve or remove? Nah, it's, it's actually really nice. I mean, I came from a job where I was travelling two to three different sites a day and now I get to come into my workshop. I have everything I need. It's, it's all just ready to go. It's really, really cool. Hey, I really appreciate you taking some time to join me today, Rob. Oh, no worries. If you want to give a shout-out to anyone, now's your time to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout-out to my girlfriend, Lexi. She's great. Yikes. I just received a bad review on Google. I can't believe it. I think I run a good business. I respond to reviews as fast as I can to see if I can fix the issue, but the reviews don't always come through until it's too late. I can't be with all of my customers 24-7. What can I do to prevent this issue from happening next time? Hey man, it's gonna be okay. Who are you? Who am I? I'm you from the future and I have to tell you about AirVote. What's AirVote? Just place these QR smileys anywhere throughout your business with questions to ask your customers. Your customers can then respond directly by leaving a comment that goes straight to your phone or computer. And then, when they're satisfied with your service, they have the option to leave a positive review in Google. AirVote keeps you connected with your customers 24-7, the absolute best way to prevent negative reviews in Google. So I'm joined now by the next member of the Exilu team, which is Andrew, who is the production manager. Andrew, welcome to Get Flushed. Thank you. Production manager, what does that role entail? To be honest, it entails everything. I'm the guy that makes sure everyone has everything that they need to get the stuff out the door. Yeah. That is you know, my job, essentially, is to make sure that we get the orders in and we get the orders out. Do everything and anything that you need to do to meet that day. 100%. And how long have you been at Exilu? Just coming up three and a half years. A little bit different from uh, what I've previously done. I'm originally from the food industry. Worked for Heinz for 11 years. I worked for an edible oil company in Kenya for three years. And now I'm here. What does a typical work day for Andrew look like? I'm usually uh, arriving at work at dawn. Um, I'm here between you know, 5.30, 6.30 in the morning, making sure all the guys have arrived on time. And basically we just go through, see anything that they need for the day, uh, make sure all the materials have arrived, everything that they need all the paperwork's up to date, and then we really, really push to make sure that we've got all our procedures in place and they've got the order that they want to get things done so we can meet those dates. Does the same production crew work on each unit from start to finish, or is it a modular process? Yes and no. There can be some units that we build in conjunction with two production crews. 
Traditionally, those are two units that are joined together, but it's usually the same production crew. They take the unit from what we call tiled stage right through from kitting it out, putting a roof on, doing the exterior, working with the plumber and the electrician to make sure everything's all tested up and, and working, to wrapping it up, getting it on a truck or on a bolster or a flat rack to go to port. You've got a range of models. Each unit of that particular model is broadly similar, but they're all unique as well at the same time, aren't they? Oh, very much so. Because we have so many different customers, every unit we build, even if it's the exact same model as the unit before, will have their own customer's identity to it. We'll have a customer from New South Wales and Australia, a customer from Christchurch here in New Zealand, and even though it's the same model, it'll be painted different, it'll have a different roof, it'll have a different kit out. It's very customisable right from the ground up, even though it is the same model. And in terms of production process, there's great benefits in having that modularised approach for the crew because they, I guess they learn their functions and the, the technical aspects of assembly and can perfect them over time. Very much so, very much so. Every, every single one of our guys is very intimate with, um, with how every unit goes together. The bonus for them is they're not working on the same unit all the time, so it's not like punching something out on a production line and it's the same thing one after another. They're intimate with the materials that they use, they know the kit outs, they know the standards, but everything is the same when it comes down to it's the same type of model, they know how things go together, so they know exactly what they're doing. And in terms of quality control, is that part of your job or have you got a quality control person? Quality control is part of my job. I walk around every day, do spot checks, got a couple of guys, um, our technical manager and our drawing manager that come down, they assess the units based off the drawings. And then at the end of the build, we have a full testing regime that we go through that I have to do a sign-off on, making sure that everything's covered and everything has been tested as per the actually standard. And you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but do you typically find any faults in that post-build inspection? It'd be wrong of me to say that I don't, <laughs> but that's why we test. Yeah, uh, That's why we make sure that um, everything that goes out the door is at the highest quality. And that's one thing that the boys really, really pride themselves on. Yes, we build public toilets that go out into the public, but we make sure that these things are going out to a customer that has purchased a brand new building, and that's what they pride themselves on. Craig walked me down the production line, and I have to say it's impressive. The quality of the units is impressive. The care and the precision that I could see the team were taking, that doesn't happen overnight. That's a, a learned process, and it takes a lot of effort and energy. We've got a lot of longevity here with the lads that work here. There's around about 22 guys that work on the floor. And if you average all the years out, we're roughly seeing it about eight and a half years per person based on the, um, the guys that work here at the moment. People come here, they love it here, they stay here. It's always a good sign. It comes down to the culture. It comes down to, to what we do. They're not working out in the elements and getting beaten with the sun or wind and rain. You know, they're undercover. They work with a great bunch of people and they literally love what they do. So when you commission a unit, you load it onto the truck and it leaves the depot and goes to site. Do any of your team attend to do the final commission or is that left to local contractors? It's about 50-50. In New Zealand, especially around the Auckland region, Hamilton region, we do allow our guys to install if a contractor hasn't been allocated by council. We have gone further afield to Australia to do installs in certain aspects and certain areas, but we do have trusted contractors around the country, around Australia and in California that do do our installs for us, but we do offer that service. 
the sanitation industry in general over the past 18 months, globally, my listeners and, and guests have told me that they've really struggled to find staff. It's been really difficult. And it might be because it's toilets or it might just be the current market with furlough and everything else that's gone on. How do you find new staff members and what essentially do you look for when you're looking for new team members? Our situation is the same as everyone else's right now. There is very much a staff shortage throughout the industry. We are a construction company. If you take the toilet out of it, we build buildings. Our makeup of guys that we have on the floor is very varied. We have roofers, we have painters, we have boat builders, cabinet makers, obviously the welders, the electricians, the plumbers. We do have builders as well. We look for guys, they might not have the skills that would necessarily be involved in our business, but they might have a skill that we could utilise. Everything is teachable, and that is why we've got such a varied staff. So we really look for someone that has something that they can offer us and we can offer them. It comes down to attitude for us. Someone that's there to put in the hard yards to do the job and always has a smile on their face, and that's, that's what we want. And the skills will come and they're easy to be trained. So we're after good staff with a great attitude. And it strikes me as a cool place to work. Everyone nodded as I walked around the floor and said hi, even though they were busy. And it's a good vibe. It is. It it really is. I mean, we've got a really good culture here. We relish achievement and we reward achievement when it happens here. The last Thursday of every month, we have a big staff barbecue. We get everyone together. All the office staff come down. Um, We have a barbecue, a few beers, a few wines, and we do awards, any long service awards that come up. We acknowledge health and safety awards. We acknowledge an employee of the month and an employee of the quarter. For this quarter, all the recent employee of the months get to go on a fishing trip sponsored by the company. You know, the guys really look forward to that sort of thing. They enjoy being acknowledged amongst their peers. They do get the odd, you know, well done, you've done really well throughout the day and stuff. But having something a little bit more formal in front of others is um, it's a real uplifting thing for the guys. Rob was telling me that you celebrated the Colorado Awards as well. That's really important for the team who build the toilets to yeah. acknowledge and celebrate that. And it's cool. And every now and again, we get the sales guys from Australia and from the US um, zoom in and, and actually talk to the guys and give them acknowledgement as well. Because... Obviously, with you know, recent times with COVID, we haven't had, been able to have that communication and, and the people visiting. So it's, it's been really good to get feedback from the US, from Australia, and even from around the provinces in New Zealand to see all these units that the guys have built and have put in and the look on their faces of, you know, we've built that. And, you know, it's, um, it's actually making news. It really, really gives them a big, huge uplifting attitude. Well, it's excellent. I've said to everyone I've spoken to so far, I've used a lot of your units on the South Island as we've travelled around over the last year, and it's always been a pleasure to use the Exilu. So, you know, I'd like to thank you and your team for making those happen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Cheers. I'm joined now by Josh Hunt, who is the sales... Manager for Manager. New Zealand. G'day. So, Josh, g'day. Thank you for joining us on the show. Yeah, awesome. Um, tell us about your role. I've been here for a few years, so I look after the... New Zealand side of things, so anywhere from chatting to all the councils through to getting the job put through, got a whole production team, and then I jump in again with project management of the whole install, which is great. You get all these cool places around New Zealand, get to pop by that you probably wouldn't normally go to. No, I said to Greg, I've used quite a lot of your exilus around the South Island as we've been travelling. Yeah, I've not come across an unpleasant exilu. They've always been absolutely top notch. De- definitely hands off to them. Contractors down there, yeah, keeping 
keeping clean. Yeah. So did you come to Exilu with a sales background? Uh, I did. The main jump to here was before this, I spent a few years doing council playgrounds. So I designed them and then the same approach dealing with councils, project managing them. So have you got qualifications as a landscape architect no, or something then? No, no. You just no. QA ingenuity sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, it's probably more the sales side of it. And then, I mean, how do you fall into playgrounds and toilets? Who knows? But it sort of just went that way. And then, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Especially if you're a big kid at heart, dealing with playgrounds, design your own playgrounds, especially if it's in your backyard, you'd be like, well, Dream what do job. I want? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so pretty much phasing from that to this is virtually the same because it's the same people at councils and the parks and reserve space. So there's a lot of similarities, which is great. So you could yeah. take over a lot of the same relationships. Even you put the toilet in the park, you put the playground in. So it's quite cool. You up and yeah. deliver most of the yeah. park. And I'm guessing that the Exilu role's a fairly straightforward role because you've got such a good fundamental product. Mm. You're selling top-range equipment. That's the, there's 30 years of tacit knowledge and mm. expertise yep. and development has gone in. And that's really evident when you walk around the factory, just the level of attention and detail and some of the clever IP that's in these toilets mm. is pretty impressive. Yeah, and that's definitely a big part of how we managed to get through into the US. And as you moved into that United States market, was there a big steep learning curve for Josh? <laughs> yeah. Got a US office there, and the guy that's awesome. It definitely took years to break through, and even the way we did our initial design drawings are completely different. Obviously, you've got the different measurement terms. But everyone's still using Imperial. I mean, in general, you had to go through each different state and get separate approval rather than just, you know, New Zealand's just one straight approval. So it was a great learning curve, though. Yeah, like I said, 30 years, and we're one of the only companies that just does toilets. You get people who might build a bunch of other, like could be houses, could be anything, and they'll construct toilets on site. It was obviously where prefab and toilets, yeah. change rooms, showers, you know, a lot of similarities, but it's all modular. I've not talked about that with anybody else. So as well as a toilet unit, Exilu also produces other... Yeah, there's been a couple of good cases, which is a testament to the design. So we did one in Hamilton, uh, North Hamilton, where it was essentially four of our buildings put together. Looks like one big building. Is it a big bus and train terminal? So one of it was a kiosk where they can serve coffees or ticket sales, and it's got like a big roof extension for shelter. Then we've got another block, which is three cubicles, all the self-cleaning, fully automated side of it. There's another unit which had a keypad entrance, and it was for the bus drivers to have breaks in. So it had a kitchen, it had windows, bench, they had put a TV in there and everything. Fourth one, which is the side of it, which is heading New Zealand a bit more, which is the changing places side of it, the, the fully accessible toilets. So worked with the person in New Zealand, Jen. So she looks after the changing places name for New Zealand. And so we worked with her. And that, that's really catering to the people who are care assisted. So people who could be in wheelchairs or can't look after themselves. That's awesome. It's, it's obviously the way things need to go, being fully inclusive. You see playgrounds doing the same. So yeah, it was awesome working with her and delivering this. There's only a few of them in New Zealand. So that was, a, that was an awesome project. So all those four went together in one design. So that's like an ADA unit or designed particularly for people who might be wheelchair users or mobility impaired? Yeah, so it's changing places as a code. So it sort of went through UK, US, Australia. It's a bit more evident over there. But now with having Gene over here, it's pushing a lot more and it'd be great to start putting more of these in as well. Have those units gone to the US as well? Uh, yep, probably Australia more. But New Zealand, I think it's definitely, again, there's a lot more attention behind it. So, and when I say care-assisted council, whoever will give a swipe access, so it's not for general public, and there'll be like a gantry crane that'll pick the person up out of the wheelchair and can put you onto a change table, which is a full adult one that's hydraulic, 
same as the base and the toilet. They're all height adjustable. So it's really trying to cater for everyone. Do you know, there'd be a whole episode in that on its own. Yeah, there is. It's a big one. Big thing with the accessible units, you know, from the event days, that you put an accessible units in and all the girls flock to it because six or seven of them can get in. Mm. And it's usually got the smallest tank to allow the most amount of room in there. But it's cool to see that we're actually mm. manufacturing units to suit that specific need of those users and that we're restricting access to just those users. That's awesome. Well, yeah, especially because public facilities are the things that always get vandalised. Yeah. All of that to say anyway, it was a, a real modular system that we can do. And then we've done... It just in Auckland as well, like a large change room structure. So it'll be a, a whole separate change room, toilets, and a whole other change room. Customised completely. So that's for a soccer park. So yeah, it, it can be reasonably customised, and we've got all our whole in-house design team. So it makes it possible. Do the clients normally come to you, or do you go out cold calling and knocking on doors looking for customers? I think it's a mixture. Obviously, council people can change roles, new people can come through. I think Exley's got a really good name for themselves they've been around the longest that's one of those brands that in this industry people tend to know there's still other competitors so part of it's building relationships there's all that kiwi culture everyone seems to know someone and then because a lot of the customers are local councillors do you typically have to go through a tender or a bid process yeah it's it's a mixture there's certain things that only we can do so under certain cases you can get direct appointed but tenders is obviously one of the most common ones there's a tourism infrastructure fund through the government about trying to inject money into these towns or areas that need it to cater to tourism. With all this COVID, you saw a lot of New Zealanders travelling around, a lot of freedom camping, obviously places like Queenstown or down the east and west coast, like there's a bunch of areas that maybe have less ratepayers or whatever, so they really need to get financial assistance. This tourism infrastructure fund, it could be like 20 or so million a year that councils apply for for certain jobs. Uh, so a lot of toilets came out of that because that caters a lot of freedom camping. The relationship between toilets and the economic prosperity of the local neighbourhood has been proven. Jack Sim from the World Toilet Organisation came on the show last year and he said that he started the World Toilet Organisation because he wanted to improve the standard of public toilets in Singapore. And look at Singapore in the last 20 years, how much they've evolved and it's such cutting-edge place now. And Jack's still campaigning to improve toilets. And it's cool to know that we've been doing something similar, albeit perhaps with less fanfare in New Zealand. That I wasn't aware of the Tourist Infrastructure Fund. And that must have been a huge leg up for those local councils. Yeah, awesome. Like I said before, people that don't have a lot of rates or rate payers, whatever, it helped heaps. And obviously great, great for us as well, because there's more projects for us to work on. But what you said before about trying to increase the standards of toilets over in Singapore, was the same as how Exlu started with the directors that were over in Europe and then sort of the idea went from there and pretty much the mindset from there has been trying to increase the public toilet hygiene standards. That's sort of been probably at the heart of what we're trying to do because, man, you look back just over 10 years ago. Believe me, you can go to many AMP showgrounds or racetracks around New Zealand now and still find old concrete urinal trays and, and toilet blocks with really old WCs and plastics cracked on the cisterns and things. So there's still a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, the University of Otago published a report that absolutely slated the standard of public toilets in New Zealand. And it said they were all health hygiene problems and that they were really shocking to use. And I actually replied to their tweet and said, hey, you, you want to get in your caravan and travel around the South Island the way I've done? Yeah. I've not come across a bad public toilet. And all credit to the local councils who've installed Exilus because it really is next level. 
it is awesome. I guess, I mean, it could be honest on a lot of scales. Sometimes facilities aren't what you want to go to or you got to go, you got to go. So it's really trying to make what is not necessarily the best experience or something that people have to do um, by the way we can design it. Uh, you know, we've got units with underfloor heating and, of course, when we get automated, you've got music and stuff. So it's trying to make it that little bit better. And, you know, that's the only reason that I started the podcast was that I'd open the door on enough portable toilets at events to think, surely we can do this better. It's cool to see that there's the same thread has gone through companies like Exilu. I know it's gone through Tracks, and a lot of the other companies have appeared on the show. That there's a, a, a real move, uh, movement's the wrong word to use. There's a real culture of deliberate improvement in the industry. It's really reassuring to see. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's all trying to play our part anyway. All right. So if you had a message to anybody who's listening to the show, and maybe they work for a council and they've not purchased Exilu's, what would you say to them? We cater to everything from your classic self-sufficient toilets, like a fancy long drop, all the way through to automated stuff. So really, it's just having a chat. We can do designs, obligation-free. I mean, the way we do prefab tends to be a lot more popular route because obviously public disruption when you're building facilities is a big one. So you know, we're only like a couple of weeks on site. And then the, the thing that nobody's mentioned yet, I've not asked yet, is um, how do people find out about Exilu and get in touch with either yourself or Craig? Yeah, if you search Exilu, it'll pop up anyway. Obviously, the website is the main one. So there's exilu.com or exilu.co.nz, whatever way you want to do it. Yeah, even just sales at exilu.com, marketing at exilu.com. More than happy to help. Come out, check out the site yeah. if you're interested. And I've got to thank you, Josh, because I filled in the inquiry form on the website and you replied fairly quickly to say, yeah, we're keen to learn more and you arranged me coming in today. So on a personal level, thank you for that. I really appreciate you. Yeah, support. of course. That's good to chat. And someone else is interested in pointing out toilets. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I'm giggling when you said that you'd take your wife on a tour of the toilets. That's just such an industry thing to do. <laughs> you spot them. You, you can't help it. You, you develop like a sixth sense that goes off. Your radar goes off and here we are. Yeah, it is awesome. I, I think the cool part of it is that toilets or generally like a park setting are always in real cool spots. So, which is great when, in a way, when COVID happened, that people did get around the country a whole lot more, which I find it's so easy to travel overseas before you see your own country. And then, yeah, you'll just find these random pockets of beaches, whatever, and you'll find X or something else. And uh, it's, it's always cool to try to get around your country. Yeah, it is. I've, I've really enjoyed the opportunity we've had as a family over the last nine months to travel around. And I, I've got to say that experience has been improved by the fact that we were able to use so many Exilus on our travels. So good work and thank you for that. Glad you enjoyed the experience. I really enjoyed my visit to the Exilu factory and I'd like to thank Craig, Rob, Andy and Josh for taking time to show me around and record those interviews. As usual, I've sent them mugs to say thank you for appearing on the show. Now, if you're out and about and you see an Exilu, please stop and use it. I promise you won't be disappointed. And if you'd like to learn more or get in touch with Josh about sales, I've put a link to exilu.com in the notes for today's show. Friends across the industry tell me that things are busier than ever and there's been lots of exciting new developments that I hope to share as the season ahead unfolds. Big things have been happening at Sanitrax, I've got news of an exciting new project with Service Core and I can't wait to catch up with old friends and new. I've also scheduled more sessions of the Sanitation Conversation on Clubhouse, which is now available for Android devices as well as on iOS. Get in touch if you'd like to join the debate, ask questions, ask for advice, share opinions or simply listen in. Once again, thank you for your time. I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed, 